JoeVertigan.com, and we're here with a guy who I watched racing as a kid in the 70s, and a guy who I actually announced with one year when I was just getting my uh, feet wet, Wayne Weckworth of Appleton, uh, nicknamed Hot Dog WW Greenville. number 66 from Greenville now. Right, uh-huh. Okay. Wayne, uh, talk about your racing career, when it all started for you. Well, it's kind of a weird story how it got started. Um, I had a kind of an infatuation with Charlie Ehold's old car, and I says, boy, that would be nice to have one of those things. When Charlie says, well, you want to buy it? Yeah, how much? 200 bucks? Okay, here's 50 bucks. We'll pick her up later. So we took it over to my friend's house, and he said, hey, my mother's just madder than all hell about this. It's got to go to your place. Oh, jeez. And so, okay, we're going to have to take it to my mom and dad's. So they're living at home. So backed into the spare garage, and mother came home from work, and she says, what's this? And going racing. So, you know, the usual eye roll. Oh, yeah. That. Yep, yep. And then it was kind of like one car after the other, and I ran after one year, and then I had a couple of Chevelles, ran those for three years. Very limited success in the first. What what tracks did you race at starting out? Um, I started at Apple Creek, the old original Auto Gaming Speedway. Okay, it was a dirt or asphalt. It that was one. asphalt. That one was done. paved. Okay. Yes, and then uh, went up to the pier one night, put a quick change in the car. What year would this have been, Wayne? Roughly. This would have been uh, seventy-seven, I think. Okay. Or no. 70, one, two, three, probably 74. Okay. Yeah. Was that with the blue 66? Yes. I, I, got a, I have a picture of that car. That was the first Chevelle I ever put together, put a quick change in it. We were just leaving the family reunion. And I climbed in and I, and I thought, my gosh, I made, the, I made the, the semi. I'll run twice tonight. And if Danny Johnson didn't loop his car in the fourth corner on the white flag, and all of a sudden, wham, right into the driver's door. We were both knocked out, and it was kind of back to the drawing board again. Was that the race he broke a leg in, or no? That yes, was a, it was. That was, okay. Yes, it was. I might I might have actually been there that night as like a six-year-old. I, I remember that specifically. Really? Yes. Yeah, all the dust cleared, and I saw his head hanging out. And I was so darn sore the next day, I had to leave work. I, I just... Wow. My, my collarbone was bruised so bad, and it just knocked the wind out of me, and... You know, one of the first tracks I remember watching you race was Seymour, but also De Pere. I have a lot of memories as a kid from De Pere. Tell me uh, what your perception and thoughts were and memories of the track at De Pere, which was at the Brown County Fairgrounds. De Pere had very sticky clay. You know, if you had a high horsepower engine, you could time in very good. Because when I had that car that Parker built, and I backed her off the trailer, and I was maybe third round, third quick and first round qualifying. It was a very fast track. And yeah, it was, it was fast, but kind of dangerous at some times too, but we didn't know that with the equipment we had. Sure. Talk about Seymour and uh, racing in the mid-70s when Paul Kazarowski was the promoter there. Uh, he had a legendary uh, uh, classic battle, I guess, with his brother-in-law, Jack Peters. And there was a battle for cars and fans on Sunday nights when DePierre and Seymour ran against each other. Where did you choose to run that year? I chose DePierre because I ran at Seymour one night and there was so many, I don't want to throw, the, throw it under the bus, but um, there was a lot of rocks in the track. I remember Bobby Bennett told me the same thing. Yeah, and you'd go the windshield every night. That's when we ran windshields. We right, and you back then you'd run the same car on the dirt, and then you'd come out on Thursday nights. A lot of guys would run the same yes. car yet, and then through the 70s. I didn't bring that car out there because I, I barely had enough brakes for DePierre and Chano, so I didn't want to take a chance coming out here. Sure. Endanger people. So then... Um, 
your last year racing, I wanted to say was around 1979, maybe 1980, when you ran uh, Asphalt Specific, correct? 1980, yes it was. Now, you, did you run Kakana and Slinger as well? Yes, I did. It was a white car, wasn't it? Right. I do remember it. Talk, talk about why you made the decision in 1980 to, to leave the dirt and go to specifically to the asphalt because I think that was the year before they went to the 9 to 1 rule here if I if, if memory yes, serves me correctly. Was. The year that I quit would have been 81 and that's when the 9 to 1 rule. In my last year, uh, oh see I started on pavement after DePierre closed up. Right. Because we only had one paved track and uh, Leo's was kind of on the edge, Leo Speedway that is. So we decided to take the venture on the dirt and I built a third design how car. Okay. And we had kind of limited success with that. Let's go back to Leo Speedway for a minute. Um, I was 10 years old when Leo's closed and, and unfortunately, that's one track I never got to as a kid. Um, I never got to Shiocton or Apple Creek. Tell me what Leo's was like. I, I had the, the pleasure of interviewing Leo Galicia for my first book, Life in the Past Lane. And uh, he's since passed, but he told incredible stories of the crowds they would get. And Terry Endling told me they used to actually bus them in from the city, the college girls. And Terry told me they liked going there on Tuesdays because of all the girls that were there, the college girls. Yes, yes it was. It was, <laughs> it was nice scenery there at night. Sure. And uh, it was uh, a quarter mile track at first, and then they opened it up to a third mile track. And it was kind of the same situation that uh, the Seymour track was, that they made kind of like a a tri-oval, if you will. Sure. And the cars, everybody was pinched into the third and fourth corner, and it was hard to get around there. But one uh, nice thing about that track, they called it clay, but it was actually kind of a, a black dirt. Kind of like Hale's Corners was. Yes, but that track, it, it was sticky, and it didn't get very dusty. Sure. And there was a lot of cars. Really? Raced there, yes. And the nice thing with Tuesdays, you had the Northeastern Wisconsin stalwarts, but you drew a lot of Milwaukee area cars with that being a midweek venue too, right? Yes, we did. And it was an honor just to make the, the B main. Oh, sure. Yes, it was, because yeah. there were so many cars. In my first couple of years, I didn't. But um, later on, when I had that, that last dirt car I had from Pete Parker, well, then we came out there, and maybe uh, Sean or DePierre must have got rained out. So, heck, we got to go to uh leo's and get some racing in sure so then i kind of got the hang of it over there and then it was no problem so back back when it was when leo's was running and you could run four nights a week were you one of those guys that ever pulled that off no i was a three night a week i was what night did you take off from racing i just raced tuesday night and uh i like i says i didn't race here on thursday until you know i got the pavement car but it was like Tuesday, my normal schedule was like Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. Because I remember watching you race here in the late, like 78, I wanted to say. You had the orange 66. Right. That's the car that Pete Parker built. Okay. And gotcha. Was a very good car. Sure. Very fast on the play. So whatever happened to any of your old race cars, uh, do, you, do you ever track them and who you sold them to? Or? Well, the first um, uh, that Chevelle I built, Jim Duco bought that thing. Okay. And the first comment he made to me on, about that car was, boy, I, well, I won't get hurt in this thing because there was door bars and the door bars are braced to the floor. <laughs> and it was all water pipe, too. We didn't have the tubing back then. Sure. Um, what are some of the best memories uh, of your racing career? Any feature wins or any good finishes or any wild wrecks that kind of stand out in your mind? Well, when I first started at Shano, you know, sure, like, you know, kind of getting in tune with the place, 
they picked me off the fence a couple times because sure. I always figured if you're not going fast, you're not crashing when you're learning your when you're honing your skills. Yeah. So they say, but I did have one fast time at Shano, and that that stands out very well. What year was that? You remember? That would have been '78 when we ran the, the third design how car on uh, Kokona on Thursday nights and Shano on uh, Saturday. Uh, I tell you, fast time when you're considering the guys you were racing against there. J.J. Smith, Scott Hansen was running then, yes. M.J. McBride, Pete Parker. That's pretty darn impressive. Yes, and you know, we had to change tires. We had two sets of tires for racing. We had one set for qualifying and another set for racing. And you kind of had to listen to the track. If you heard some tripping during qualifying, you better put the harder tires on there because if you left them on during a race, you'd probably burn up the right rear. So after 1980, that was your last year, you, did you decide to get out of it at that point? I figured that was it. I had that third design Hall car that was going to be, uh, it was a factory built car for uh, Teddy Musgrave. Okay. It was a sponsorship deal that fell out and uh, Pete Parker had it and I made a trade with him and I was in the blue race with it and I looked up at the scoreboard, like this is like maybe the 40th lap and maybe the 25th, who knows, and I, I said, boy, I'm running fifth in, in, in position yet. And the next front straightaway, kaboom, the engine went, and me and Gene Coleman, we tangled in the front straightaway, and we both went sliding into the corner. And that was the end. So um, any regrets? Did you ever get back into racing uh, from a driving standpoint after 1980? No. Like I says, when I crashed that car, it was a third design, and the guys are running the fourth design cars, and uh, they were having problems getting those sorted out, so I could keep up with them yet. but. You were you were oh, you were able to stay into racing. You announced for quite a while, starting out at Seymour, and I know you called the action at Shano. Did you ever work here at WIR? Yes, I had one year here when uh, Carl Van Dommel took yes. a year off. I guess he built his house. Okay, I was here for one year. Kind of enjoyed it. What's more fun, announcing or ra uh, actually racing? Ah, uh, boy, you know there's still a rush you get with racing when you have a good night. Sure. And uh, the more the the better night you have. Uh, the more the barley's flow too. I don't know if we can say that or not, but but yeah, we, we enjoyed it then and, and it, it it was a neat deal. When you get home you figure, boy, I had a good night, I made a few bucks, I'm in one piece, I bet beat some good names. I feel good. What was your favorite racetrack if you had to rate them all? The the track that you enjoyed racing at the most, asphalt or dirt and why? I would say Shano in particular because um, on the asphalt, everything has to be just right. Otherwise, you're just out of the park. Right. But Shano, once you get in the groove there, and I already started like maybe second or third row. Sure. And once you get in the groove there, you can pretty well finish up there, too. And sure. I would have to say Shano was my best track because it was the best prepared track, too. Sure. Wayne Wepworth, uh, number 66, been retired for some decades, but... Still a fan. We see him here at WIR a lot of Thursday nights. Wayne, good talking with you. Thanks for uh, thanks for the time. And thank you, Joe. All right. Uh, this is Joe Vertigan from JoeVertigan.com.